Welcome to the special edition of AutoLine Detroit, coming to you from the floor of the North American International Auto Show. We have got a terrific lineup of guests for today's show, starting with Mark Lenave, who's in charge of all sales, service, and marketing at General Motors. After that, I'll be talking with Frank Kliegen, who runs all of engineering at Chrysler, followed by Don Esmond, who's in charge of automotive operations for Toyota Motor Sales USA, and I'll wrap up with Jim O'Donnell, the head of BMW North America. Don't go away. We'll be back right after this. Direct from the floor of the North American International Auto Show, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. General Motors had a really strong show. It introduced more new production vehicles and more new concept cars than any other automaker at the show. Of course, the trick, now that it's got all this new product, is figuring out how to sell it. Joining me right now is Mark Lenave, the head of all marketing and sales and all that good stuff at General Motors. What, what's the exact title? Vice President, Sales, Service, and Market. There you go. Okay, we've got that nailed down. Mark, you guys saw GMAC get some money. You've got government money coming. General Motors should be able to operate. Looks like you're putting some of that money to work instantly now with some low-cost loans to consumers. Yeah, we, we operated, John, and uh, amazingly uh, that our dealers and, and my team out in the field pulled it off. Is you know We've been out of leasing basically for six or seven months and effectively weren't doing any finance business when GMAC ran into some liquidity issues in the back half of the year. Uh, held share during that period and uh, thankfully now GMAC has been reorganized bank holding company we're immediately uh, upon uh, you know getting the funding for that we went out with uh, some low interest loans uh, to try to spur sales uh, we got some effect at the end of December I think it's gonna get more of the effect will hit in January because we didn't even get into the market until December 30th but that's welcome news hard to operate without a finance company it's like one arm tied behind your back no question so now the consumer knows that hey it looks like GM is gonna survive at least to March 31 and I can go get some low-cost uh, interest for buying a car. Is, is the worst behind GM? Well, I'd like to think that it is. I mean, obviously, we, we're put in a position uh, to have to go ask the American taxpayer, the government, for uh, an American taxpayer for these federal bridge loans. Big chunk of it is industry performance, but, you know, there's other car companies that didn't. So, I mean, we're in a position that we have to submit a, uh, we have to restructure the company, which we've been doing. We need to accelerate it, put this in a plan uh, to, uh, to the United States government, and, we're going to have uh, you know some oversight that's going to be involved with it, but I think the consumer feels like we're through the worst of it. Both both GM, GMAC, Chrysler, you know the, the industry. I think them as consumers, we're starting to see some firming up of the business a little bit. And you know as we move forward, if we if we can really get unemployment to kind of turn, start turn the other way, the housing market. That'll help consumer confidence. We'll get pe people back into the vehicle market. Could this be a good thing going down the road? I'm not talking right now because things are terrible. But what I'm getting at is I've, I've been saying for years now, the biggest problem Detroit and General Motors in particular faces is a consumer perception problem. And boy, we saw that come out in the congressional hearings right. when the big three and the UAW were there. Is this a chance now to not just restructure your business, but maybe restructure the perception of the industry? Well, I, I like to think so. I'm glad you brought that up because certainly we had a lot of attention paid to us in the last couple of months. Uh, most of it we wouldn't want to have paid to us again. So the bad news is a lot of attention paid to us. Good news is people are paying attention if you turn around. So uh, we're already seeing uh, really strong movement in our divisional brands. Uh, not the GM as a company, but Chevy, Cadillac, Pontiac, Buick, where 
opinion is improving, uh, uh, relative perception of, of quality, reliability, fuel economy, resale. These are all positive because GM's not a consumer brand and, and people could be apathetic toward the corporate image but love their Chevy and love their Cadillac. And we see evidence of that every day. So I think we've got a unique window now to really help close that perceptual gap and let people know what we have to sell, which is terrific stuff, as you know. How do you keep the brands alive that are being talked about, maybe being spun off or they're under review, and, and even maybe more importantly, your retailers who sell those brands? Yeah, a lot of dialogue with the retailers. We have NADA convention coming up here in a couple weeks that uh, we'll be having ongoing dialogue with them, working very actively with them. All three of these brands are, are in some various stage of review, either externally or internally. They're all three strong brands, but they're all businesses that have some some pressure on in terms of the business model. So we're, we're trying to get to a, a new business model, whether it's inside GM or outside, for all three brands is profitable, that makes sense. In the meantime, we're open for business. Uh, you know, our, we're selling Hummers, Saabs, and Saturns. Our dealers are investing in their businesses. We've got a running dialogue, we're advertising, we've got great incentives, and go visit your local dealer. We're, we're you know, we're gonna back them up and they're here to stay. You just said the word I wanna get into next and we'll have to wrap this up, but advertising. Is it my perception or is it looks like now that you got some of this money from the government, you're back in the advertising business? Well, we're, we, we never really cut mainstream media. What we've cut is a, almost every budget. Well, we've cut, we've cut media too, but I mean, not as severely as we've cut production budgets, promotional budgets, sponsorship budgets, research budgets. I mean, we have really almost zero base saying, what do we need to have? Let's not, let's not look at what we've done for 10 years and do it again. What do we need to do to drive the business, launch our products, inform customers, take care of our dealers, take care of our customers, and we've, we've built the budget up that way. So we're still, I think, gonna have a media spend roughly uh, equal to our share market, but we're gonna have a lot less of the added value things uh, that we've done. We're still, say, as an example, official car of the NFL, Cadillac will be presented to the MVP on the field, but we're not advertising in the game or we're not having any kind of a dealer meeting at the game. So it's, it's those kind of moves, but we plan on promoting our vehicles, I think, to the extent that uh, we always have. Mark Lenave, thanks so much for stopping by and bringing us up to speed with what you're doing at General Motors. Great. Always a pleasure, John. Most automotive analysts are highly skeptical as to whether Chrysler will be able to survive or not. Technology experts say they don't believe the company's got the resources to do advanced technology cars. Well, here's somebody who will explain why that is not the case. I'm joined right now by Frank Cleegan, the Vice President of Engineering at Chrysler. Great to have you here, Frank. Great to be here again, John. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Absolutely. You. you know, uh, I, I got to ask you, a lot of people are worried about, you know, is Chrysler going to make it or not? But you guys showed an outstanding car in the 200C. Bring us up to speed a little bit on that product because I, it looks terrific. What else is under the skin? Well, thanks for thanks for mentioning that. We think it does look terrific. It's part of you know part of the continuing great efforts on our design side, but also has some great technology both under the hood and inside the car. So under the hood, we have part of our NV modular development with respect to a Reeve, so a range extended electric vehicle. So a Reeve, okay. I haven't Reeve. heard anybody pronounce it that way. Reeve. So a range <laughs> extended electric vehicle. So we you know internally call it Reeve. Uh, so about 40 miles on pure electric mode augment it with a small displacement, we call it APU, but a small gasoline engine because it really never drives the wheels. Right. It's just used to drive the generator that drives the, the motor that drives the vehicle. It's all very exciting package. But we designed it so it could be a hybrid, could be used our new fee, our Phoenix V6 engine that we're developing. So any one of those things, depending on the customer, and we think that's very important. We don't think there's a specific application for a customer that we're trying to expand the palette to our vehicle lineup not say there's one specific vehicle with one specific powertrain, that's the answer. 
The other exciting part of that, though, is some of the Uconnect features that we showed yesterday on that vehicle. You know, people talk about connecting office and home and, you know, and the rest of those things to your car. And we showed you that, plus then we showed you connected to your smartphone, operating your phone, finding out where it is if you're lost, shutting it down, all kinds of things from the technology perspective that's in our plan and we're moving forward on. Really exciting for us. A lot of people say, hey, wait a minute, General Motors has been working for years on this Volt thing. They're, they're throwing all their best minds out of it. And all of a sudden, pow, Chrysler comes out talking the same thing, a Reeve, 40 miles. Yeah. They're going, how can these guys possibly do it? I mean, we thought that you'd gotten rid of so many engineers and we're in bigger trouble. How are you doing this? Well, well certainly, you know, we're a little skinnier than we were a, a few months ago. But I think the credit to Chrysler and how we approach our, our process and our product development process is, is on innovation, on small teams, Skunk Works operations. And we've got a lot of history of showing that, whether it's the SRT on the performance side, which again, very small group, but develop fantastic chargers and 300Cs, Vipers, that are very successful in the market at a profitable little group. So then we took another group, the Envy Group, also a small group with passionate individuals that really have a desire to deliver. And they've been going off and working this. And we have a strong relationship with our supply base, which is also important. I mean, we don't do everything in-house, but we have core competencies with regards to controls. And then we work for partnerships with motors, with batteries. And with that relationship with our supply base and our passionate people is how we're doing it. Now, it's one thing to bring out stuff like this for an auto show. It's another thing to tool it all up for production. Does Chrysler have the capability of doing that too? Yeah, we believe so. And what we said is that we'll have one of these one of these vehicles out next year in 2010, and three more to follow over the next three years after that. Uh, so we're off. We're off and running. We're off doing it. They are a part of our capital plan. They're part of our E&D e development plan. And uh, they're a significant part of what we need to do. Let's go back to what you were talking about in connectivity, because yeah. that seems to be almost like a, a sub-story going on in the industry right yeah. now. Uh, Toyota's come out with a competitor to OnStar. Ford's doing a whole bunch of Connect stuff. GM has been doing it with OnStar and the like. Now you guys are doing even more and more and more about it. Uh, it, it seems like this is a really hot thing happening in the well, industry. Well, it, it's so hot from our perspective. And we've been out there for, you know, kind of, we think, leading some of those activities, particularly with the in-car infotainment, with hard disk drives and things that we put in place, Bluetooth connectivity, for a long time. Now, we, we think it's so important. We've established within, within product development its own group on connectivity and infotainment, if you will, where we brought an expert in from outside the company to join us to kind of centralize all the activities. So we're going to see a lot of in-vehicle connectivity. We, we had last year, we, we talked about putting a hotspot in a vehicle. Right, Wi-Fi system. Wi-Fi, so we have it available through Mopar right now. So you can do your mobile email along the road, you know, get your movies and the rest of that stuff. And the key thing, part of it will also be how the network outside the vehicle develops. So the WiMAX or G4, G3 systems get better and the coverage gets better. You're gonna have complete seamless operation between car, home, your smartphone, and that's what we're heading. We think it's great. The right. electronic guys have always said, geez, we've got six month uh, you know, lead times on stuff. Uh, it looks like this is a way of getting them involved in the industry with, well, without that, that's having always, to go with automotive right. lead times. Yeah, that's always obviously been a challenge. Consumer electronics, you know, they roll over the product in every six months and we're a, you know, a, a consumer electronics carrier, so to speak, in a, in a product cycle of two to three years. And we're kind of breaking that paradigm. And what, the way we're doing that is creating hardware that's a little bit more upgradable without changing everything so that you build in the capacity more like a more like a PC, and then everything else is software-driven. And software, you can update on the fly, where we download it direct to them, or you send them a DVD, and then you can get these features and you can get these updates much faster. So we want to be able to do that on a yearly basis. Frank Kliegen, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us about what Chrysler's doing in well, automobiles and connectivity. Thank you, John. Great to see you again. Thank you very much.
When I walked around the auto show, going to the different car displays, all I heard about was the doom and gloom that's going through the auto industry until I got to BMW. Welcome to my discussion right now with Jim O'Donnell, the head of BMW North America. Jim, it's great to have you here on AutoLine. Great to be here. Talk about what's going on in the market and how BMW is dealing with this. I mean, we're, we're seeing a meltdown, absolutely. Uh, how do you respond to something like this? Well, I think we've only seen really what you would call a meltdown this last three months. And I think that's a temporary hiccup. Well, we certainly hope so, because uh, we've got all our jobs to worry about. I think it may continue for another month or so. But I think that once the new government gets in place, once the stimulus package is launched, and after all, it is a stimulus package, it's going to start working. You don't throw a billion dollars plus at things and not work. So I think we just got to get ourselves through a few difficult months. And I think uh, from our point of view, we've got about five different priorities. Our first priority is to make sure that our dealers, who are the people that sell the cars anyway, that they have a viable uh, proposition. And we're very lucky, I think, our maintenance package secures that. So, and we're coming off a strong base. So the maintenance package, i.e. being in, you can take year your free car, maintenance, no yeah. maintenance that you no, have to pay for. No, none at all, none at all. So I think that's uh, very good. We're also trying to manage our sales volumes as well as we can, i.e. adapt to the conditions. If you know, if there's a move towards a one series, let's produce a few more ones, less threes, more fives, whatever. So I think that's going to help us. Uh, survive through this period. I think uh, we have got some great new product coming out. We've got the new 7 Series, we've got the Premier here of the Z4, a fun car and goodness knows we need a bit of fun in our life and it's coming at the right time, it's coming in the middle of the year. We're probably all, all fed up with winter and springtime so that'll be good. We've also on the Mini side we've got the Mini Convertible so we've got three new great products coming out plus the full year of the diesel. Interesting to see how that goes in the, in the States. Uh, so that, that'll get us through as well. We've made the decision that we're going to maintain the integrity of the BMW brand. We're not going to cut back on our advertising expenditure on the brand side. Uh, there may be from the dealers, there might be less tactical spending, but we're going to put a lot of money behind the diesel, the new 7 series, the new C4, and treat it as, you know, it's a blip. You know, Americans love cars. Uh, they're not going to live with us too much longer. Jim, I love talking to you about this is only a blip, it's going to, uh, the stimulus plan is going to get things going, we just have to wait a little while, it, it, it's all, I love hearing you say that because I'm not getting that message from a lot of executives in the industry. Talk a little bit about diesel, I mean, uh, a lot of question marks whether it can work in this market, I, I've driven all these things, I think the technology is in it is brilliant. Uh, the only problem I guess I see is the, the price of the fuel, which maybe doesn't affect your customers that much. No, I think it affects our customers as well, because we don't have any diesel customers in the U.S., so we need to convince them to get into it. The price of the fuel, I think, is a bit of a blip, because if you go back about 12 months ago, it was the same price. So I don't know what's caused it. I think the government could help. I think the government could cut the taxes uh, on diesel, because in terms of the environment, it's much more friendly. It's the right thing to do. The CO2 emissions are much better. And I, I, I honestly am a born-again diesel fan because I remember in the UK when we were asked by our German colleagues to consider diesel, we said a BMW and a diesel doesn't go together. You've got to be joking, you know, over my dead body. And Tom Purvis was the MD at the time and I was a sales director. 
and we change. You know, once you get to drive these cars, well, because like, it, it's not the diesel of old. This is no, an all to, no, this to, is together different kind of diesel. Truly outstanding performance, fantastic torque, uh, clean emissions, low NOx. Now we we have done everything that has been asked of us, and we just need to convince the great American public that diesel is the right way to go. But you know, when hybrids were launched, it took them a long time to gain acceptance. And we're in this for the long term. So, you know, we don't have ambitious targets this year. Uh, we just want to get that general acceptance. We'll spend quite a lot of money, but we're not in a hurry. We want to get the diesel on the option list. People thinking about it. The price relationship won't, won't maintain. Uh, and I'm confident that diesel will begin to play an increasing part in North America. We need it for uh, carb and, you know, all the cafe reels that are coming up. S probably by 2012, 13, 14, you'll see over 10% of BMW fleet will be diesel. Very interesting. Well, Jim O'Donnell, thanks so much for coming in and bringing us up to speed with what BMW is doing in North America. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. The dominant theme at this year's North American International Auto Show was all about green vehicles, about hybrids. And the company that dominates that segment, in fact created it in the first place, had two major hybrid introductions at the show. I'm sitting down right now with Don Esmond, the Senior Vice President of Automotive Operations for Toyota Motor Sales USA. Thanks for stopping in. Oh no, thank you John, my pleasure. You've got some pretty big announcements here at the Auto Show, an all new from the ground up Lexus Hybrid and of course the brand new Prius. But my question is, you know, hybrid sales collapsed in December, you know, because of the price of gasoline, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Is that it? Was it just gasoline alone or is it the whole economy? Well, it wasn't just hybrid sales that collapsed, everything collapsed. So uh, long term, you know, we're excited about uh, hybrids. We think hybrids are the right thing to do on a long term basis. Uh, if we look at Prius, for example, you know, Prius is Toyota's number three selling vehicle. We did 160,000 last year. And what's that behind? So Camry and Corolla? Camry, Corolla, and then Prius with 160,000. So it's become, from when I introduced it as the division general manager in 2000 to today, it's been a, a real core part of our business. And we're excited about the new Lexus, the uh, HS250. Uh, H, because uh, I think we'll we'll do very well in that market. So long term, uh, we're excited. We've got uh, two hybrid vehicles that'll be on sale this year, and we think they're the right products for the future. I was a little bit surprised by the Lexus in that it doesn't look like quote unquote a hybrid. It looks like a normal every other day kind of car. Whereas the Prius has always had some special styling to it. You knew it was a little bit different. What was the thinking? Because I thought everyone in the industry said, oh yeah, if you're going to do a hybrid, it's really got to look different. And yet this one looks pretty conventional. I don't know that it's got to look different. Uh, I think, you know, certainly for the Lexus, uh, for the luxury market, it's a bit different and we have to address the needs in the luxury market. But for an entry-level uh, hybrid dedicated vehicle, we think we're on target. If we just look at the demographics of our current uh, Prius owners, you know, about 25% of them own a luxury car. So we know there's a market there and we think uh, the HS250H will, will kind of address that. Plus the, uh, 
average income of uh, a Prius buyer is about $100,000. So the demographics are right. We think there's an opportunity. How do you expand the range? I mean, I, I think it was at last year's auto show, you had the ABAT, this kind of snarky looking pickup truck that was a hybrid. Uh, there's been rumors out there, you guys have kicked around the idea of creating a Prius brand. How do you extend the range on this? Well, I, I think the customer is the one that's going to extend the range. I think from our perspective, hybrid technology is a big step. And as if you recall in 2000, you know, we weren't only launching a new vehicle, it was a whole technology that we had to educate. Fast forward to today, and there were a lot of folks in the industry that were not looking on the Prius in 2000 as very favorable for hybrid technology today. I think if we look around the show, everybody's on board. So that's the good news. Uh, our next step will probably be plug-in hybrids with the Prius. Uh, we intend to build and sell plug-in hybrids this year with lithium-ion batteries by the end of 2009. So I think that's our next step. But long-term by 2020, uh, our president has uh, announced that we will have hybrid technology probably in all of our vehicles. The plug-in one that you mentioned with lithium-ion batteries for the, the Prius, will I be able to buy that or is that just going to be for fleets? How will that work? Uh, I, I think initially we're just going to target it to fleets to make sure that uh, we can have a vehicle that's commercially acceptable to the overall product. So that's kind of step one, but I think down the road certainly that ability to buy one will be there. And what about uh, like a pickup version, like we saw with the concept, the A-Bags? I think we'll take it a step at a time, sooner or later, if we're going to have all our products, I guess that would certainly mean <laughs> pickup would be there too. Well, real good. Don Esmond, thanks so much for stopping by, bringing us up to speed with everything that Toyota's doing in the marketplace with hybrids. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Extra, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get the inside view at AutoLineDetroit.tv. I hope you enjoyed today's show coming to you from the floor of the North American International Auto Show. But join me again next week when I'll do the same thing all over again, but with four different guests. Joining me then will be Dan Neal from the LA Times, Jim O'Sullivan, who runs Mazda North America, Pete Reyes, the chief engineer for the new Ford Taurus, and Rod Alberts from the Detroit Auto Dealers Association, which actually puts on the show. You're going to enjoy that conversation, so we'll see you again next week for AutoLine Detroit.